Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 414. Wow, that's a big number. Um, yeah, so we're excited. We've got a good show for you this week. Three uh, industry news stories, three member news stories, uh, and um, yeah, lots going on in the world of location. So, um, uh, Brianna, <laughs> what's going on in Atlanta? Uh, I don't know what's going on in Atlanta. I feel like I've been in a cave in Atlanta for like the past two weeks. I've just been, you know, on my computer, like working to death. Um, but you know, it was Mother's Day last weekend, so I got to get out of the city. Um, I went to Greenville, which is about two hours north, and saw my mom and hung out with my kids. Uh, so it was nice. Like they have a lot of wide open space, and um, it's kind of nice to do that every once in a while. So, um, but yeah, I mean, same old, same old. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not super exciting this week, Steve. I don't have anything no. crazy going on. Not like you traveling the world. Well, it's that it's that time of year for me. So uh, yeah, I was in uh, Belgium and Brussels last week for uh, an LVMA uh, event in partnership with um, Mobilosoft, uh, our partners there uh, called uh, Virtuology Digital Week. It was a great event, um, like really great turnout um, and uh, a lot of cool speakers. There was like folks from Waze and Google and um a lot of good brands um and we're we're already talking about doing a potential uh, one of our collaboration projects with brussels airlines coming out of that uh and a pet food retailer and like all kinds of cool things so um yeah excited about kind of where we can go with that um and then we're gearing up next week uh i will be on the 23rd uh of may we're launching our newest chapter uh in mexico city so uh, if you have uh, people, partners, operations down in that part of the world, uh, by all means, uh, reach out to us. Come visit us in Mexico City. So, yeah. Sounds awesome. I know we're excited because um, we do a lot of business in you know Latin America and super excited about the launch of Mexico City. So, yeah. maybe I'll get down to an event sometime. You should. You should. Yeah. And then we've got another chapter coming in June in Puerto Rico. Even better. <laughs> wow. so uh anyhow um yeah so we've got a good show uh i'll let you kick off uh the stories this week as usual uh with our first industry news yeah this is kind of more of an announcement actually so factual is partnering with um two companies and they're going to be sharing their it's called their location engine sdk um and so they're going to be sharing with um airship which as you may or may not know as Urban Airship. They have recently rebranded re to just Airship. And another company called Braze, which I'm not super familiar with, but they both focus more on precise mobile messaging. Um, so obviously they're taking into consideration location of the, the customer, the consumer, um, as well as context about them. And um, if you're not familiar with Factual, they create uh, audiences based upon an audience segments that are, you know, targetable based on location and context. So there you go. They're going to be sharing this with two other, you know, two new partners, um, obviously enhancing the ability to send contextual location relevant messaging um, in app through Airship and Breeze. So be on the lookout for that. 
Yeah, I don't have a lot to add to this story either. Uh, as you say, it's it's more of an announcement than than any news. Uh, but um, you know, I, the interesting thing for me here is is that um, you know the separation between on the one side factual, on the other side uh, airship and braze here, because I think one of the things that we've seen uh, is more and more now a lot of the companies that were in the audience segmentation business are also getting into the campaign business. Um, you know, look at Gimbal and, and folks like that. Right. Um, and, um, you know, I, th I think it's interesting to, to see companies continue to sort of hold out from that and kind of just focus on the data side, um, and being a good solid data provider, um, you know, and, and powering other partners versus, um, you know, trying to do it all. Um, and, and I, and I think some can do it really well. I do think like gimbals, you know, like they're, they're actually going the other way. They've almost kind of come from, you know, originally hardware and campaign based stuff and now kind of building audience segments with their newest platform. Um, so I think it's interesting to see our industry mature and evolve. Uh, and I think partnerships like this are good testament to that. Sure. All right, uh, our second story is a big one. Um, there is a proposed class action lawsuit against all four major US carriers, uh, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, and Sprint, uh, that was filed last week in the US District Court uh, of uh, Maryland. Um, and basically, uh, they're saying that uh, all of these uh, mobile operators have uh, misappropriated uh, the use of the geolocation data that they're collecting and in selling that to uh, third parties. Um, AT&T, obviously this has been in the news a lot uh, over the last uh, year or two. Uh, AT&T in particular uh, has been uh, uh, under attack. Uh, they have said uh, that they've ceased all, all such uh, third party um, selling of the data um, and are not doing that any longer. And yet here we have, you know, big lawsuit coming against all four uh, companies at the same time. So, um, you know, I, I think this is going to be an ongoing issue for, for the industry. I think that not just for the mobile operators, I think in general, as we've talked about a lot on this show, the need for transparency, the, the need for consumers to understand the value exchange for their data. What are they giving up? How's it being stored? You know, how's it being monetized? Uh, is it being resold? All of that type of stuff. Um, you know, and I think that uh, data aggregators uh, that have been buying this data, uh, companies like Location Smart and others over the years, you know, need to think about, um, you know, the use cases. But the, I, I think for me, I'm not, um, I'm not against the monetization of, uh, you know, of the mobile operators trying to make money off of the location data. I, I think as long as it's done in a transparent way and it's done in a way that uh, is providing value back to the end consumers. Like if you look at Location Smart, who's one of the buyers of the data, um, you know most of the applications that they've been providing are public service ones. Like it's public safety oriented, it's E911 related, it's um, you know uh, being able to track your family members, you know, on a permission basis, uh, knowing where where you know where your your kids are, those types of things. Um, so there's real value in that. And I think people want to subscribe to such services. And I think if, if you're not able to get the data from the mobile operators, how, how are you able to provide these things? Right. And so I think, um, a, a lot of damage can be done by these types of, uh, of lawsuits. And yet at the same time, 
I think uh, it's important to discuss uh, the issues and it's important for, for there to be true and real transparency in, in what we're doing with the data. Yeah, I completely agree. I I'm go I think it's going to be very interesting how this pans out. Um, I think the challenge that these carriers face is it's um, it's an all or nothing type of a deal with them. Like, you know, nobody's reading the pages of paperwork when you enter into a plan um, and the nitty gritty details about what they can and can't do with your data. I think that the challenge that they're going to face is that they're not providing enough value to the customers or um, if it's an incentive in exchange for that data. So I think that um, I almost feel like a lawsuit like this is necessary because it's almost like you have to like kind of stick it to the man a little bit to say, hey, you know, we are going to demand that, um, you know, you're making money off of us, not just as a user of, of your services, but as a data provider to you. We're providing data. Um, we're living, breathing data that we're creating day after day that you're able to um, license and sell and utilize. And I think that the consumers just want, um, they want transparency and they want clarity. They want the ability to opt out of it. And I think a lot of times people are not necessarily going to opt out when they understand that this is not, um, hey, Asif is doing this at this moment and he is here. It's not a one-to-one. -one. It's an audience. It's a segment. It is, you know, it is a broad scope of movement. Um, it is not fine, fine brush strokes. So um, I think that there just has to be more education for, uh, you know, the average consumer. And there has to also be the ability to opt in or opt out. Um, and once they do that, I think that this stuff will simmer down. But I also agree that a lot of the data is being utilized for important things that things that we as consumers want and need. Um, and we also have to make sure that, um, you know, we're not limiting our ability to innovate and, and be forward thinking, um, as an economy, you know, or just as, um, as, as an industry as a whole as well. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, in a sidebar issue here, I mean, I don't know if you saw the, the ruling from the Supreme court yesterday against Apple on the, on the, uh, on the app store, uh, issue. So there's the, they've cleared the way now for iPhone uh, users to sue uh, Apple in the App Store for basically competitive monopoly uh, issues, right? So I think we're seeing, you know, this wave of things and there's now uh, obviously discussion about breaking up Facebook and, you know, all kinds of things, you, you know, where I think people are feeling like, um, you know, uh, there's unfair business practices happening and, and I think a lot of it can go away. Uh, honestly, if, if we just, if these, if these companies just become much more transparent, much more open, much more, uh, inclusive in including the consumers in, uh, in some of these business, um, decisions and, and the, the ways that they, they want to monetize the data, because I don't think people are against companies making money, right? I think people are, you know, often against the idea of companies making money off of them without them knowing about it or without them having opportunity to potentially participate in it if they wish to. Right. So. Yep. So. It'll be an interesting one. Okay. Moving on. Now we are going to talk about, um, a French based store called Decathlon. And this is, um, they, they tout themselves as the largest sporting goods retailer and they've actually opened their first location here in the U S um, so they have 1,500 stores in 49 countries, and now one of those stores is in Emeryville, California. 
Um, which and what's interesting about this is before they opened the retail store, they actually opened a um, a retail lab in San Francisco where they've been kind of like testing and trying out all of these different technologies and. Um, they tested consumer preferences and merchandising, um, ways to check out. And what they've arrived on is something that we've been seeing a trend for and sometimes a trend against is cashless stores. Um, now, what's interesting about the way that they've approached this is they actually have set up kiosks where if you want or have cash and that's all you have, you can go to the kiosk, put your cash in and get a gift card out to use. So the way that they've kind of set this up is these sales associates are working the floor. Let's say there's like, I think they had about 20 different sales associates. They're all throughout the store and it's a really big store as well. I can't remember how many square feet they said it was, but it's, it's massive. I mean, this is a big box retailer. Mm-hmm. And, um, so they have these, yeah, huge, right? Yeah. So they have, um, sales associates with iPhones that they've provided throughout the store. And at any point, whenever you're ready to check out, you just walk over, you take your physical shopping cart, and you put it inside of this RFID um, enabled checkout station. So it scans the shopping cart and then it generates a QR code, which the associate scans the QR code, and then you just pay right through there. So they're doing this um, through some technology provided by a Boston-based company called New New Store. Um, And so they provide all this technology, which is really interesting. it only works with iPhone, which is also another interesting approach um, from the new store approach, right? Yeah. Uh, but you know that just it doesn't necessarily mean that the customers have to have an iPhone. The customers don't need a smartphone at all to do this transaction. They can pay with Apple Pay, but they can also pay with a credit card or a gift card um, or through new store if they have, I guess, a new store account. Um, so Decathlon doesn't have their own consumer facing app yet. I don't know what they're going to do here because what's interesting is they're saying eventually they want the mobile checkout stations to be able to um, feature like a self-service option. So a customer could push their card in, do the RFID and the scanning themselves, um, and then have like this this native app um, in the future where whether it's through new store or through a decathlon specific app, I don't know what we'll to find out. But you know, this is interesting. We've been seeing this trend moving away from cash. Mm-hmm. And then we've been seeing kind of more of like how to get customers out of these checkout lines that are long and tedious and you're waiting. Um, I, I mean, I'm really, what piques my interest is, you know, something that happens when I go to, let's say like Sephora checkout line it tends to move pretty quickly, but at the end of the day, that checkout line is laced with a little last minute items, anything ranging from, you know, a dollar to $20. And those are while you're waiting and you're there and you are adding to your basket, right? Your, your cart value is going up and up and up for that store. So this is eliminating that opportunity for them. Um, as it is, you know, you just go wherever there's no lines, there's no, you know, you're not being herded like cattle as you usually are throughout the store. Um, so I'm interested to know, like, how does, does this drive up cart value or does it decrease that, that value and that size, um, and spend that they're seeing from customers? Um, and then obviously experience, I'm assuming that since they have stations of some sort that it's easy to find these checkouts, whereas it's still a checkout, it's just not in the same kind of 
carts and lanes like you have in the traditional stores. So I think, you know, I also think that like this movement away from cash is, you know, trying to provide a more seamlessness and make it easy for customers. Um, so I'm open to it, but I also have a little bit of hesitancy because I know, for example, that, you know, I think of like my grandmother going to the store and doing this is just going to be super confusing and, and you know what I mean? So it's like, Oh, I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I see like they're absolutely on trend here in terms of this type of seamless, uh, cash out type of experience. Um, you know, I, I like that, uh, you know, while it's only Apple, uh, you know, iPhone supported, um, I, I like that they can take credit cards and gift cards and, and other things as well. Um, the, um, you know, so that's interesting. They, uh, the other thing that I read in here is that, uh, they do plan on like decathlon doesn't have their own, uh, app uh, yeah. for the, for the retail brand. Uh, but they're planning to, to, to add that in, uh, over time. So I think, you know, like we'll see whether that's iPhone only or if they, they support Android on that when that, that rolls out. But, um, it'll be interesting. Right. I mean, and, and, you know, from what I've read about new store, uh, like they seem to be all in on, on, you know, having this be an Apple experience only. Uh, they, I guess they work with a number of other European brands. They're working with Untuck It, um, uh, is one of the companies that they've mentioned. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting as we've talked about recently though, with Amazon coming into New York and New Jersey, uh, you know, from a government perspective, forcing them to accept cash still. Um, and they've rolled out the New York store this week, uh, with, you know, accepting cash payments. So, so we'll see, right? Like there, there's that, you know, we're in that in between time, right. Of, uh, people wanting to embrace the, the technology and the seamless cash out experience and, and other people still wanting to obviously use cash. Um, and, um, yeah, I think my parents for sure would, you know, wouldn't, gravitate to this experience i probably would my kids definitely would um the um you know so so i think you sort of have to be a little bit amenable to to all uh right now um you know as we kind of you know it'll take some time to fully transition over this but i like that decathlon you know is coming into a new market with their first store in the u.s having already had a a lab environment testing new technologies uh and then kind of rolling that out in, as, as they're part of the first experience it's like what a, what a great way to launch in, in a new market in a new country uh you know as a fully technology forward almost like you know instead of just kind of launching their their usual store you know kind of leapfrogging ahead uh right to the latest stuff so uh i think that's really cool sure. yeah Um, All right, so that's our three industry news stories for this week. Uh, We will shift over now to our member news. And uh, the first story this week is, yet again, Burger King uh, is in the news. And uh, interestingly enough, um, you know, I just mentioned we're going to be in Mexico City next week. Uh, This is a uh, a story that uh, uh, is taking part in Mexico City. uh, And they're looking to also expand this to LA, Sao Paulo, and Shanghai. They're basically going after cities that are very heavy uh, population and traffic congestion uh, cities, um, all, which all of those cities are, Mexico's uh, being uh, right right up there. Um, and they've launched this new campaign called Traffic Jam. 
Um, and you know, we've, we've been tracking Burger King. They've had a lot of, uh, really cool, successful location enabled campaigns lately. Uh, the Whopper detour that we've talked about where they're trying to steal traffic for geofencing McDonald's locations. Um, the, the burning ads, uh, in, in Brazil and now traffic jam in Mexico. And, uh, so what this is, is when you're stuck in traffic, uh, you know, and not moving anywhere on the roads, on the highways, in Mexico City, uh, you can uh, download the Burger King app um, and uh, have basically uh, Burger King delivered to you via motorcycle, cutting through the traffic and brought to the car that you're stuck in. Um, and uh, they said they've seen a 63% uh, uh, lift in delivery orders in the first week. They've been testing this, a 44% uh, percent, uh, increase in Burger King app downloads. Uh, and uh, they've been promoting the service with ads on platforms like Waze and other uh, social media platforms, as well as uh, billboard advertising along the, the, the roads and the highways themselves. Uh, I think it's brilliant. I think it's a, it's a really cool, cheeky uh, campaign. I think it's, uh, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm going to be down there next week. I, you know, I don't know if I can pull down the uh, Burger King uh, Mexico app while I'm down there. Uh, if my iPhone store will let me do that, but app store will let me do that. But if they do, I will absolutely try this um, and order some Burger King while I'm in traffic on the way, maybe on the way from the airport to the, to the, uh, to Santa Fe. So we'll see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean like these guys are like, they constantly are pushing the boundaries and, and they do it in such a aggressive, uh, you know, really kind of fun, cheeky way. I, I, I love it. Yeah. I mean, from a traffic perspective, you, I know we complain a lot here in Atlanta, but I always tell people like, you've seen nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. You've seen nothing. Yeah. So, uh, Mexico city traffic is definitely up there and I do love their marketing. I mean, I just like, I want to, to go and hang out with their marketing team. Hey, if you guys like are around, let's get together, let's be friends. I think that they just come up with the most, you know, out there stuff, but it works. And that's what I love about it. 63% is crazy numbers. That is like huge numbers to see that level of increase. Um, and I think that, you know, what's worse than being stuck in traffic, being stuck in traffic hungry. So I just, I love it. I, I love their perspective and, um, that they're innovating and that they have numbers to back up the lift and that they're seeing these crazy ideas actually like come to life, provide ROI for a company. And obviously they keep their, their fan base intrigued because they're always like, what's going to happen next. Right. Yeah. And from an LBMA perspective, I love all of these campaigns are heavy on location data and geo tracking and geofencing yes. and, all of that, right? I mean, it, it's the like they're a brand who's truly understanding what you can do uh, in a positive way, right? Back to the power of what you can do in a value uh, consumer value exchange, uh, you know, on a positive use case for location data. So, like here it is yet again, right? So we can talk on the one side about the failure of the mobile operators and not being clear on what they're doing with the data, and yet here's something that we know, obviously, you know, consumers are gravitating towards uh, that absolutely requires them sharing their location. Yep. So. I agree with you. All right. Let's move on to some mosquitoes. Yeah. Let's not. I hate mosquitoes. I do too. They love me. You know, 
Yeah, you know, you probably have like sweeter skin. I find that um, if I'm like outside by myself, I'll get eaten up. But if I'm outside with my husband, who's got like a little bit of a darker skin tone, they just gravitate all towards him, and I don't, I don't get touched. So I don't know. It's something about that that darker skin. They just yeah, they love it up. It. I guess it tastes better. Yeah. So if you want to fight that. If you've got that sweet skin and you get eaten up, here is something that you can do. There's a company called Parakito. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right or if it's Parakito or what. Sounds good when you say it, though. Parakito, I like that better. So they're using AR to attract consumers and really to educate consumers as well. So this is pretty interesting. We're talking about um, like an in-store pop-up that they have done, and they've partnered with a company from Atlanta, uh, Georgia Pacific. Um, so they are engaging this with their, it's like a display, right? So they have this display rack. You scan a QR code and you have the option of, it takes you to the Parakito site. And then you have the option of three different AR experiences. So you can get a 60 second, um, like a camera based mosquito repellent game. I don't know if you're like smashing mosquitoes with your phone or what that is but um, and then you also have a three question quiz where you can figure out what's the right product for you and your use case uh, and then there's also a video that is a um, starring a popular surfer surfer that um, obviously I guess I mean I didn't know that surfers really have to fight the mosquitoes but I guess if you're not in the water then maybe you are so maybe they felt like that was like a good parallel there. Um, so they did this to obviously provide accessible information to consumers. And because this is sort of a new thing, you know, you're not talking about a bug spray. These are different types of products. Um, so you can find these in places like Whole Foods and REI and Ace Hardware, which are really cool places to find this because everything that you do is outdoors, you know, all of that. Um, something more like organic approach to things. And so um, they partnered and they're also on Amazon. Um, but obviously, if you want to check out the display, you need to probably head over to one of those stores. I like this. I mean, I like that they're thinking of engaging with people and passing information in a unique way and using AR like that. Um, at first, I was like a 60-second mosquito game. Like, I'm not going to be playing that in a store. Maybe maybe your kids would, Asif. Mm -hmm. uh, my kids are a little young for that. Or, I mean, maybe my, my oldest would. But um, I in terms of determining which product is right for me, three questions to figure out like, is this one or this one, um, you know, the best purchase because I'm not going to buy them all. Then I think that is a great, is a great option as well. So I like that they're trying to find creative ways with their messaging and their approach to engage with consumers. Um, I think that is good. I mean, I don't think it's like a home run, but I do look, I mean, they've got to do with what they can do. Right. So as a, as a packaged good inside of a store, how can they, you know, engage more consumers and make sure that they get the information to them in a timely manner so that they can purchase now and not do research and come back and purchase later. So I like that. I feel like it's effective and, and it does a good job of translating what they're trying, trying to push. And that, that is, Hey, let's give a, the education and the information right here and now in the store so that they can make an informed decision. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm in alignment with you too on this. I, I think uh, it's it's a really different use case of AR technology for me uh, than a lot of the ones that we've seen where you hold up your phone and you see a video or, you know, whatever. I for me, what I like about this is two things. One is is they have a message that they're trying to get across. 
and so they're using the AR platform in a in an educational way to help people understand the value of the product and and the benefits that you can have from it. And two is is I like that they've made it interactive, right? Where they've got the quiz, they've got the sort of they're trying to draw people in whether to play a game or, or engage in that way. Not everyone's going to do it, to your point, but I think you know I think people you know a, a fair number of people will. Um, and uh, so, so I like that. I think anytime you can create interaction and engagement uh, and gamify um, an experience for people, um, it, it, it's, it's something that can draw, draw more people in, right? So, you know, because I, often I think people just do AR because it's, it's hot and, and, and interesting and cool, but it's, it's, it's just a layer, right? Like to go back to the actual company layer back in the days. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just something that you see that's kind of, you know, overlaid on top of the real world uh, as opposed to something that you experience um, that is, is overlaid on top of that, uh, that product in this case. So, so I, I, I like it. I think it's neat. And uh, I, I would, you know, I think more companies need to think about how they use AR in a way that drives interaction and engagement and, um, and experience around it. Because I think, I think if people actually take the time to do it, then they, they can learn and they can see the benefits of a product. And it's a great way to kind of sell your product through benefit as opposed to, you know, just, uh, you know, brand. Yes, for sure. There you go. All right. Our uh, final story for this week is about our good friends at Walgreens and they've teamed up with a company called Narvar. Now, Narvar was one of the speakers out at uh, our recent retail local conference back in uh, in Seattle a few weeks ago, uh, and they are you know heavy in the in the world of uh, they run our panel on uh, location data and last mile delivery and all that sort of stuff because that's the space that they're in, and they've teamed up with Walgreens for basically a partnership around online shopping uh, and pickup at store. So what they're doing here is is you can go and order purchases uh, online. Uh, from all kinds of different brands, uh, you know, companies like Urban Outfitters and others. Um, and then uh, you can pick up your purchases at a Walgreens store. Um, and so Narvar has all these different partners that they're working with, Macy's, Warby Parker, you know, a bunch of different brands. But the idea here is, is that, you know, you go and buy your purchases online and there's 8,000 Walgreens stores uh, in 48 states. Um, and uh, so there's a lot of them around, and um, and and so now if you go and purchase online, you know you have this option of choosing to pick up your 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 product uh, from a local Walgreens as opposed to having it sent to your house and uh, not knowing if it's going to be on your doorstep uh, when you get there. Um, so the initial launch partners for this are Urban Outfitters and Levi's. They're part of the the testing group that uh, is in the Walgreens uh, pickup partnership. Uh, they're also rolling this out in addition to Walgreens uh, with Nordstrom local stores uh, uh, and four Nordstrom stores in California. Um, so, you know, I think we're seeing a lot of this type of, you know, buy online, pick up in store. Uh, and I think from, from, from a retail brand perspective, especially a company like Walgreens, this is a no brainer for me because not only is it about people coming to pick up the, whatever they purchased online in the store, it's also about they're in the store and they're, it, it's Walgreens or, you know, any store like that. Uh, there's probably all sorts of ancillary upsell purchase things that you're going to pick up while you're there, right? You know, you need shampoo or you need whatever it is. Um, and you're going to go grab that because you're there, uh, picking up your, your, your Levi's purchase. So, um, 
yeah, I like this. You know, these guys are, uh, you know, Narvar's, you know, a key, key player uh, in the industry around this. They work with a ton of big brands. Um, and um, yeah, I don't have a lot more to say about it. I think it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I love everything about this except one convenience factor that mm -hmm. I would love to see them add in. And you know what I'm going to say. Mm. It is when you, like what Target has implemented, you try, you drive up, they're notified that you're there in one of the pickup lanes and they bring it out to your car. To me, that is like the ultimate in yeah. ease and maybe laziness, but you know, not having to get out of your car, whether it's raining or you have kids in the car or whatever it may be from a convenience perspective, I would love to see them add that very last layer in. And that would just be like, I don't know the cherry on top. So <laughs> yes. I love this story. I just want to see, and I get getting people into the store so yeah. that you get those other purchases for sure. But I think that's something you can also offer to them, you know, whenever you're checking out, Hey, is there any other last minute items you need from Walgreens toothpaste, gum, like yeah. whatever it may be that you're going to get right. there. Um, Cause chances are you probably need something else. And that's something you can just add into your cart right there. Um, so I, I do like this though. I love that they're, they're trying to attract more people to their stores um, and partnering with businesses who offer completely different, you know, items than they would sell in their store. So smart. For sure. Awesome. Well, that's our show for this week, folks. Uh, you've been listening to episode number three, uh, 414 of this week in location-based marketing. Uh, of course, uh, we're always open to story ideas, uh, uh, feedback, criticism, whatever you have for us. Uh, we want to hear about it. Uh, we thank you for listening and watching uh, every week. Uh, and uh, especially to uh, our newest followers and, and newest members out there. By the way, we have uh, our newest member, uh, Orient, uh, which is a, a magnetic indoor positioning company out of Israel. Uh, so welcome to the LBMA and, um, yeah, we're, uh, we're excited about, uh, you know, where we're going. And, uh, like I said, if, if you're going to be in Mexico city next week, or you have partners down there, uh, send them to the LBMA event on the 23rd information's on our uh, website. Uh, if you have ideas for us or, uh, feedback, uh, all the contact information for reaching us is at the end of the show here. Uh, thank you for listening and watching. We'll be back next week with four one five. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.